Yeah, I think it'd just be a cool look for us if we were just like. Is this on? Yeah, I threw it on like a couple minutes ago. Oh. Welcome to Top Fins Talk. Didn't you miss that intro? Not really, no. Ah. All right, well, we're here. Top Fins Talk, we're ready after an extended absence on uh, my part, to be fair. That's all good. Life happens sometimes, you know that. It does. For those that don't know, I coach a lot during the fall, and uh, I'm really good at it. So if Roma are listening to this and want to take applications for a coach, uh, you know, I would love to work on their Paulo Fonseca. <laughs> uh, anytime, any, you just let me know, and I'll take the flight. I'm, I'm there for it. All right, I think we're getting a little distracted. So welcome to Top Ends Talk, <laughs> episode two. After, Like you said, after an extended absence, we're finally back with another episode. And I think moving forward, we're going to be a little bit more consistent. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, fair to say. So, cool. So, we have a, a little schedule of some uh, fun topics to talk about today. Obviously, as uh, if, you, if you're listening for the first time, we are very much Serie-focused. So, we will be chatting more Serie-A, uh, but we do have some cool points to talk about from other leagues, don't we? Oh, yeah. It's full today, but we're going to get through it. Yeah. Power through. Power through. Power through. On a Saturday afternoon while we watch games at the same time. It's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard to do this. Yeah, we're watching uh, Borussia Dortmund play Gladbach, and it's just end-to-end. So if we get a little distracted during this uh, podcast today, uh, sorry, guys, but we love you. Yeah. Cool. So first thing let's talk about is, uh, obviously, let's start off with Syria because that's where we're kind of known for. And let's talk about the Syria table. And specifically, one thing that you said earlier in our first episode is that you said that Inter were going to win the league this year. I still stand by that. So, so you're so you're still confident in I that. I am I am still I don't know how confident I am in Inter, but I am very confident in uh, Antonio Conte cuz that man is a that man's a winner. <laughs> I will uh, agree with you, the man is a winner. Um, but after watching um, the Juve Inter game and watching Inter pretty much get dominated for mo- most of that game, most of that game to be fair, um, I don't see a team um, like Inter beating Juve to the title this year. So uh, I still think that Juve are going to come out on top in this league. I think that's, for me at least, that's fair to say. And I'm trying to be not to be biased because I obviously <laughs> I am a Juve fan. So some people are like, oh, he's just a Juve fan saying that Juve are going to win. But mm-hmm. I, after watching Juve put a, a pretty thorough performance against Inter, I just can't see Inter winning the league this year, to be super honest. Yeah, well, I mean, my point and my counterpoint to that is uh, they may have got absolutely worked over in that game, uh, but they're a good side. And on top of that, uh, you don't have, it's not, you know, it's not Inter versus Juve to win the title. It's Inter versus Juve is one of 30 plus fixtures in the league. So they really just have to beat everyone else and hope that Juve drop points. Um, Ooh, Ooh I, I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> as Marco Royce scores a goal for Borussia Dortmund. Yeah. <laughs> just completely stop talking. Um, oh the build-up was excellent. I just thought I'd let anybody know who was uh, who was watching. If you guys don't game. watch Bundesliga games, we're they, sorry ahead of time. We watch everything. You need to watch Bundesliga games. So uh, excellent build-up for the goal. But anyway, my point back to uh, to, to Inter is uh, they just have to they just have to beat everybody else. I know that sounds silly, but it's really realistically how you win as a champion is you know you put the results in against as many teams as possible and hope that the other people and other players just fall short of that mark on the other teams true and like i understand where you're coming from with that point um 
But to, to my defense to that, like Juventus already beat Inter. They already beat, beat Napoli. I don't see another team that they really have to play that's going to give them too much trouble. Maybe Atalanta because they haven't played them yet. And they're, that's the one of the only top four sides that they haven't played yet. Mm. So that's the only other hiccup that I see in terms of their schedule. But they've shown that they could beat Napoli. They've shown they could beat Inter. Who else is there that could potentially give them trouble? Uh, I don't really see anybody else um, in that table really giving them too many problems i think they may definitely squeak out some results during the course of the season like like most teams do uh but i don't think they're gonna have any issues getting points week in and week out yeah i mean i that's fair but time will tell all i have to say is i'm very confident in inter uh still maintaining their charge for that title they got some pretty easy games lined up uh coming up however tomorrow's uh actually counter to what i said to that uh, Sassuolo, they play tomorrow, and Sassuolo might be a little bit of a tough game for them um, because they that's a resilient side. You know, no matter what their record dictates, they're they're pretty resilient. But I think they'll have a good time against them. But that carries over onto our next point, which is something that Marcin would love to talk about: Pauli Dybala's form. My homie. Yeah, for those that don't know, Marcin is probably one of the biggest advocates of Paulo Dybala. I'm actually in his apartment right now looking at a plaque that is autographed of a picture of him. Yep. So if there's one person that's happy of his seeming return to form, uh, it's definitely him. So I'm going to let him take the lead on that one. (laughs) Yeah, so um, Dybala last year didn't have a great year by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, He was kind of in and out of the lineup, kind of playing all over the pitch, not in his proper position. And just just wasn't in, in kind of invested into the squad last year. Um, and they kind of seemed like that was going to continue the trend into the beginning of this year. You didn't really see him in the starting lineup. He was kind of all over the place. Uh, sorry, didn't really have him playing a lot of minutes to begin with. And then all of a sudden, he kind of gets a couple starts, a couple great performances off the bench, which translates into him getting a few more uh, minutes on the pitch. Um, a goal, a goal, three or four assists in the last couple weeks. Uh, he was actually just named Juventus' player of the month for September. And you're starting to see him play like he should be playing. Uh, obviously, the more, like he used to be known for scoring a lot more goals, but I think the goals are going to come. And, I mean, he's setting up Ronaldo for goals right now. And if Ronaldo's scoring the goals, if Dybala's scoring the goals, it doesn't really matter as long as the team's performing. But the team is performing also because Dybala's found a little bit of a, a little bit of an uptick in form over the last few weeks, which is great to watch now. Yeah, and I, I think you can just keep giving him plaudits because uh, it's really hard to find players. There's like probably you could count them on one hand at this point that love their club and want to stay at their club regardless of offers. Right. Uh, and and Paulo obviously loves Juventus. Like he's been you know suited by uh, by many teams. He's been uh, you know he's been looked at as a great option for a lot of clubs, but. Uh, he's really loyal to, to Juve and, and he wants Juve to succeed and he wants to be a part of that success. So where I think you've seen other players in the past that have played with Cristiano that would turn around and say, well, you know, I'm not really enjoying my time playing with him because he takes all the limelight. And, uh, you know, with Paulo, I think, you know, his form is just a uh, it's just an homage to how he's willing to put the team before him. Right. And to your point, I think that's how that's how they're going to succeed as a team this season. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I have to say about uh, Paul. Did you have somebody else on Juve that you wanted to talk about? Um, well, kind of like what I just mentioned, Paulo setting up Ronaldo for some goals. And obviously that's kind of uh, brought us into our next topic, which, uh, which is our new hashtag for today is CR700. <laughs> so 
Original. Original. Very yeah. original. Yeah. Not, not stolen from anywhere else. Anywhere else. At all. Completely original. Yep. So, <laughs> so CR, uh, for those that don't know, I know this is a little bit late, but obviously hit a 700 goal on international duty. Um, crazy achievement. I mean, the guy's one of, what, five, six players to hit 700 goals in their entire career. So uh, a once-in-a-generation, once-in-a-lifetime kind of achievement to, to really like witness with our own eyes, which is just crazy. Um, but the big talking point now is, so CR's just hit 700. Can he get to 800? 800 goals. Can he do it? So I, I would say that I've never met him in person, and I've never met him via phone call, clearly. Uh, our, our show is not that successful. Not yet. Um, but you can tell... Ronaldo, if you're listening, hey. Yeah, hey. Give, give me a shout. Yeah. Uh, but no, so you could, you could definitely tell that he's the type of player that scored his 700th and immediately went back to work and was like, I'm going to get to 800. Yeah. So I think that's his mindset going into it. He's been talking, you know, to the press a little bit about, you know, I don't know how many more years I have on my legs for, you know, for continuing to play at the level I want to play at. If he goes to any other league, really, I think he ends up bagging bagging a lot more goals because he does play in a lot of competitions. And even though that does put a lot of miles on his legs, that gives him a lot of opportunities to score those goals and make those results happen for his team. So I could definitely see him getting to 800. Mm-hmm. Um, if he, especially if he goes somewhere, uh, you know, he goes to Miami or something along those lines. He's so just you, gonna so you're be scoring goals for fun. You're thinking like the Ebra move: just come to the MLS and just bag him for fun and just start padding your stats a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely. That definitely so, is something I could uh, <laughs> definitely I could, you could see Ronaldo doing: going to Miami and just bagging goals for fun. Bagging goals, getting tan. And uh, enjoying his life, I think that's his. Uh, that's gonna be his mantra for it. But well, the way I mean, the way I look at it is, I think he's got maybe another. I mean, he's played 160 games for Portugal. I don't. I, I can't see him playing another like 20, 30 games for the national team. Over depending on if he's gonna play for the next World Cup or not. So he's got what 20, 30 games there. I think he's gonna see out obviously this year at Juve, and then I think I don't think he's going to leave in the summer. I think next year will be another year at Juventus for year three. Hmm. And then, obviously, year four is kind of going to be an up-in-the-air year at that point. He'll be, th- uh, what, 37 at that point? Because he's going to be 35 this year. So he'll be 37. And is he going to maintain that form that he's at right now? Is he going to maintain that, that high expectation of Ronaldo scoring 30, 40 goals a season? I mean, that's time will tell. And obviously, if injuries happen or anything else like that. So I, I think he ultimately will hit 800 just because I think he's got three, four more good years in him. And I think 25 goals a season is pretty, in all competitions, is, is a pretty, I think it's pretty doable even for Ronaldo at 34 through 38. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, here's the other thing is you had guys older than him playing in a similar position. Like, do you remember Antonio Di Natale? Like, yeah. he went on for years. Totti hit double digits for multiple years. I after mean, now. Quack. Perfect example. Like, the, you know, age to guys like that, I just feel like age means nothing. But, yeah, there is definitely going to still be a drop-off when it comes to their performance. Right. He would just have to move more central, become that nine role, which obviously he doesn't really play now. But he right. would, he, if he moved into that nine position, I think he would definitely be bagging more goals for, for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, moving kind of down the table. So we talked, we kind of hit Inter, we kind of hit Juve. Moving down the table, and definitely one uh, prediction that you had at the beginning of the season, and it's definitely coming true, Calgary. And they're, uh, what, in seventh place right now? 
So yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're hoping to try to grab some Europa League spots right now. Yeah, well, I called it at the beginning of the season, and you, you don't have to go that far back because it was one other episode that we've done. Uh, but I called it in the last one where I said, you know, I thought recruitment-wise they did an excellent job. And recruitment-wise, them doing an excellent job has set them up to where, at least in the beginning of this season, being about a third into the season, uh, they're enjoying a really good run of form where you know they may not be winning every game, but they're competing in every game and, and pushing and, and making moves for, uh, for wins uh, whenever they can. Um, you know, just look at uh, not too long ago, they, they frustrate everyone. <laughs> they don't they sit. They do not back down. And that is uh, the hallmark of a good team. Um, now, what I will tell you is that despite me being really excited that, you know, I, I made a great prediction in the beginning of the season, um, bummed out that it was for their team because, uh, honestly, we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, not bringing the whole racial, racial bit into it, yeah. but I cannot find myself to be excited for a team who seems to just allow this behavior to continue and facilitate this behavior at this point. Agreed. So, uh, you know, this is probably the last I'll be talking about them for the season yeah. uh, until they get it together as a club. Uh, but definitely just wanted to say, you know, kudos to myself for, for calling the recruitment piece of it. Right. The recruitment piece is uh, completely separate from the other issues that the club has that they definitely need to fix. Yeah. Um, to say the least. To, yeah. yeah. Bare minimum, to say the least. Yeah. Well, we're going to move along past them just because I don't want to spend too much time. I don't want to give them the limelight. Yeah, yeah, we're moving on. We're moving on. We're moving on to a more humble a yes. more humble abode, a more humble club. And a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and talking about specifically a guy that I love. The guy. The guy. The guy to be all guys. The guy of all guys. The solution maker. Claudio Ranieri. Claudio Ranieri. The tinker man. The tinker man. He- so, so Sampdoria <laughs> obviously got rid of their coach uh, for... Pretty much obvious reasons. The team's tw- in 20th in the table, so they're not doing really too hot right now. And uh, they needed a change of coach. But And who else did they hire but Claudio Ranieri? And uh, if you needed a better love story than Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, EDF last year, we saw he, he was replaced by Ranieri. Uh, so, of course, uh, when you look at Sam's form in this table, uh, none other than Ranieri comes in to save the day for Sam. Uh, here's the other thing too is uh, with EDF I and I know I'm partial because he played for Roma he coached for Roma he loves the club um, he I think he was just the victim of just Mongo madness at Roma and then you know maybe not getting the recruits that he wanted slash needed at Sampdoria like he went from being at a big club where he should have been given the players that he wanted all the way to a smaller club where he may not even get that many players and my point to that is that it's really easy to rag on him for it and when i say a better love story than twilight i mean it's just kind of funny that they ended up doing that because i still think edf is a great manager and i think he gets uh i think he catches a lot of flack for situations that he's been put in and he puts up with that's true that is very true um yeah, I I know that we talked a bunch a bunch about when you when EDF was still at Roma, how much you liked him as a coach. So I, I definitely can 100% vouch for Tim liking EDF <laughs> a, a lot back in the day when he was still the uh, the Roma coach. Um, but back to the to, now to the new guy Ranieri. He's 
I, I just think he's, uh, I mean, you can't call him underrated because he went and won a, a Premier League title, but... With Leicester City, of all teams, who yeah. are in second place, though, by the way, which is unreal. Yeah, well, they are... Uh, but all credit goes to Ranieri. Yeah, yeah. I have a hard time giving Brendan Rodgers credit for anything. No, 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 no. If I love EDF, <laughs> I dislike Brendan Rodgers. It's, a, it's uh, nothing to do, no correlation between it, but uh, one or the other. Um, Ranieri, though, like, what he does and what I think is missing is he has a lot of grit Mm -hmm. and as a coach he puts it on his players like not in front of the media but he's he talks them like there were reports that came out uh after he took the helm temporarily at roma where he was talking to the players uh at the end of one of their continually bad games last season and bad losses Mm -hmm. uh he was talking to him and he turns around and instead of saying, you know, uh, you guys should be doing better, he turns around and he goes, I'm going to be gone at the end of this season. You guys need to realize that you're playing for you to either be gone or be playing next season as well. And he really, I love a coach that sticks it to his players and just says, look, you're making a living doing this. It's not for you to produce. Very true. The crazy thing that, that if you look at Ranieri's career, just look at the amount of teams that he's coached. Like I, I have it just pulled up just because I was kind of curious. But look at this list. Like, I mean, looking back in the, just the last, like, five years, you have Sampdoria, you have Roma, you have Fulham, you have Nantes, you have Leicester City. He coached the Greek national team. You have Monaco, you have Inter Milan, you have Roma again, you have Juve, you have Parma, you have Valencia, you have Chelsea, you have Atletico Madrid, Valencia, Fiorentina, Napoli. Like, the list goes on. Like, the guys have been all over the place. And I feel like if he got more time at one club and just stayed there for a consistent amount of time like two three plus years to like really build up a program underneath himself he would have been looked at as as a completely different coach and and won a lot more trophies at all these different teams uh i mean his like his biggest obviously career accomplishment was that prem title with with leicester city and he'll always be remembered that that was monumental but i mean he like looking at his stints at all these other clubs they're like two less than three years stints and i mean like i said if, if he got some solid time and really built up a club underneath him with the players that he wanted and got them bought into his into his kind of tactics you'd be hearing about ranieri more than just like a journeyman coach you'd be hearing him as hey he's he's he knows what he's doing yeah and i i think uh he's good for Sampdoria this season because he's going to give uh, he's going to give some stability. When you get a guy that's True. been through as many clubs as that and been through turbulent times, he's the guy that you want coming in in that scenario. So I think Samper, Samper are in good hands. And I think that's a, actually, uh, let's talk about a club who maybe thought they were in good hands and but thought they were making some moves. But they're not. But they're not. Uh, Milan. Yeah, AC Milan. <sighs> Milan, Milan, Milan. I ended up... Milan ended up screwing up my summer because they decided that they were going to wait until after Roma canceled their U.S. tour to back out of European competition so that they avoided some financial fair play repercussions. And I'm not saying I'm upset about it. I'm just saying if they would have done that earlier so that Roma could have played in the U.S. so I could have made my annual trip to watch them play, that mm-hmm. would have been a really nice thing for them to do. But, and I would have went with you. Yeah, so. it would have been a whole day. It would have been nice. You know, It would have been a good time. Uh, Instead, but, we had Fiorentina come, and we both, and we ended up not going. Yeah, we were like, ah, it's a you know Fiorentina, Fiorentina. But uh, you know, with <laughs> with that, uh, AC Milan uh, sacking Gianpaolo. I uh, you know the execs are still there too, which is a crazy thing. I think there's this reoccurring trend in Syria where you see the execs getting away with a lot, a lot, a lot 
and the coaches seem to be bearing a lot of the responsibility for True. it. You know, you you know, my example with EDF was a perfect example. Mongo Mongo Madness hits, he gets the repercussion of it. Uh, you know, you look at this scenario with Milan, Giampaolo plays a specific formation. You know exactly what his style of play is. Very true. And then the back office go and get him and pick up these players that just didn't fit into his style. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, you know, putting Suso in the center as opposed to out wide. As technical a player as Suso is, like he's just not that guy. Like he's not going to do that for you. Right. Oof, as oh, as, as we talk, as we talk, oh, <laughs> oh overhit ter- the cross. You hate to ball. see it, hate to see that. Yeah, this this. If you guys can have an opportunity, to even watch the replay of this game, watch the Borussia Mönchengladbach game. Uh, absolutely unreal, end to end for seventy five minutes. It's one nil right now, but like the game is absolutely wild, just like back and forth all day. Absolutely, and if you're a soccer fan, and you're a true footballista, uh, just. You should never try to watch and make a podcast at the same time. This no, has been grueling. But anyways, <laughs> back to our, to- back back to to our, our conversation. Back to our conversation. Uh, so I, I think, again, Giampaolo is, is an example of a coach that maybe didn't get the correct backing that he needed to. And uh, I think, you know, he couldn't get his team to perform with what he was given. And, you know, he got the sack for it. Yeah. I mean, you had some players definitely underperform, um, Piontek being one of them. I mean, the, the club spent a lot of money last January bringing him in over 40 mil. Mm-hmm. And he was really good last year still for him. So, I mean, he bagged in, I think he had nine or ten goals last year uh, in the second half for Milan. So, I mean, he was consistent in scoring goals. And then this year, he, he kind of drops off that form. And, I mean, the way I look at it last year was Piontek had a squad and a formation and kind of a tactic that was built around getting him the ball. They played to his strengths and he was bagging goals and the club was not successful, but they were better than they are now. And then you had a coach coming in that plays a completely different style of football than what your main forward is used to. And I mean, most teams build off their team off of how their main forward performs. So if you're going to give Piontek a a completely different style of footy to to kind of play, Mm -hmm. and it's not really suited to his strengths, and then he struggles, your team's going to struggle. Because if your main goal scorer isn't popping in goals left and right, you're going to struggle. So that's why I think the main issue at Milan was, I think, yes, they didn't have the best recruitment in the summer and bringing in players. I think they they definitely needed to work on on some of those aspects. But given what players that he had at the club, I think he should have worked maybe a little bit better... um, in terms of getting a coach that will build to the strengths of the players that you have available to you. Well, I, you know, and here's my thing again, and this is why I stuck up for Giampaolo on this one, was because he spent like the whole summer with one idea, formation, formality, and then he got to the first game and he realized like, holy crap, my players are not adjusting to this the way that I need them to. And he actively tried to move them around and get them to work a different formation to see if maybe, you know, he could get more out of them. True. So, you know, I... You know, as somebody who coaches, I don't have a hard time sticking up for coaches because I can give you 101 reasons as to why some things don't just don't go to plan. There's, you know, you can't control minds. You can only control what people hear at that point. Um, so, yeah, for, for him, I think he got I think he'll enjoy a good spell at another club. Um, I mean, and that was me backing him after he went out and he did some press conference where he was like, Roma were after me and I told them no. And I was like, <laughs> you could just like back up because my team is doing miles better than your team. And that's because 
Fonseca is an absolute unit of a coach. But he's anyway, a, he's, a, he's a great coach. I mean, I watched the last game, and he's just so fired up on the touchline all the it's time. Infectious. I love that. I it's love. Amazing. I love that when a coach because I feel like that energy just kind of spills over onto the pitch, and your players like, wow, if my coach is this fired up on the sideline, maybe I should get a little bit more fired up on the pitch too. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm. Yeah. Needless to say, I'm very happy with him. So. Uh, well, well, speaking of that, so speaking of AC Milan and play, well, let's kind of transition this into a player that played for AC Milan um, <laughs> and several other and several other Syria <laughs> and several other Syria teams like Inter, like Juventus. Um, if you don't know who I'm talking about, it's Ibra. So if you didn't hear, this is actually pretty recent. Uh, Ibra had a little press conference or did a little interview where he said that he would love to come back and play for Syria, and he actually said that Syria for a striker is the reference point because if you can, you can. Uh, be successful in this Serie A, you can score goals anywhere. So basically insinuating that Serie A is the toughest league to score in as a forward, and I, which I agree with 100%. I don't think there's a league tougher to score in. But so now now thinking about that, Ibra thinking about coming back, where would Ibra go to in Serie A, or what team could possibly use Ibrahimovic at their club? I, you know what? It's funny because when I think about it, I'm like, who could really use a 38-year-old that maybe can't move as well as he used to? And then I'm also like, who could use an absolute madman in the dressing room? Because he is somebody that gets his teammates on point and focus. Like he, He's very honest. Yeah, he's very clear. Like, <laughs> and not saying it very lightly. Yeah, he's very clearly that guy in the dressing room that is going to get you on point. Um, personally, I can see him... Uh, I could definitely see him. I could see him at so many clubs. Actually, I could see him at Juve. Truthfully, I, I would. I would see him at Juve too. Maybe coming back, but I don't think he'd be uh, starting. Starting? No, yeah, I think. Not. I think you have Ronaldo. You have the body of Higuain. You have a lot of players that are a little bit more kind of represented in that team. But I like as a super sub, he could. I think as a super sub, he would be great at any of the top teams. I think maybe. I mean, he he did say that he would love to play for uh, Bologna for Mija. Did he? Yeah, he said that he would love to. He would he would come back for Bologna strictly and only for Miha, <laughs> which is <laughs> a amazing. which is a funny comment from him. I mean, uh, and I think Miha said something uh, like back that, oh Ibra, if you come to Bologna, you won't have to move. All you have to do is pop in goals, which is a funny little back and forth. <laughs> so it shows you the relationship that he has with people that he likes. Like he really likes to joke around with them. Yeah. So Bologna would be pretty funny for him to 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 end up. But I think he said that he would love to challenge. For a Scudetto if he came here. So we'd have to look at somebody that can challenge for a title. So you're looking at Juve, Inter, Napoli, Atalanta. Napoli question mark at this point though. Because Napoli, and I don't mean to get sidetracked, but they made these moves in the offseason where we were like, wow, what what an absolute move that, that that they're going for. What an absolute signing. And then, you know, we looked at them given in the table, don't get me wrong, they're uh, still top four. Yeah, they're top four, but barely at the moment. You know, uh, there's just uh, I would I would see him going to uh, if he's going to a top side. I would see him going to Juve. Yes, I think he still has a good relationship with the club, and uh, he still always speaks well of it. Inter. I mean, I'm I'm curious more if he he may have a good relationship with the club, and maybe the management might not have a problem with him. But I'm curious what the fan reaction would be if if there was a rumor of Ibra coming back to the club, because you have to you have to look at it this way: he left and went to go to Inter Milan. Like <laughs> you, you don't leave Juve to go to Inter, and then you're like, oh yeah, but I still love Juve. Like it's kind of it's like yes, he's known as a mercenary, so like a lot of people like have that little like stigma about him. But 
Do you, all right, here's here's my thing. What do you got? What do I got? What do you here's got? what I got for you. It's exactly what Juve are missing. You think? Juve are missing Ronaldo's clutch. Absolutely. Very clutch. Right? Paulo is talented. Absolutely. Your midfield works hard. But I think over the course of the years, Juve could be accused of missing a certain cold-blooded nature because they're such like a cultured club. You know what I mean? They're such like a... They're so, like they don't, a, they don't put club. they don't put away games sometimes when they should and that's been now imagine now imagine you're Paulo and you miss a chance or you do something and you have, Ebra yelling at and you? you have this fucking massive I didn't mean to curse I'm sorry for everyone on here but you have this massive <laughs> we could bleep it out uh, you have this massive forward coming at you and screaming in your face asking you why you were missing uh, so I'm just I, saying that's I, the. I think if I saw Ebro running at me anywhere, whether it's a football pitch or like a dark alley, I'm running the other way. Like yeah. I'm not trying to mess with that guy. Yeah, nobody is. So, anyways, that's that's my view on uh, on Ebro. <laughs> like I said, I, I'm curious. I'm actually curious. I'll, I'll tweet something out later about. It and we'll see. We'll see what the fan reaction would be if we had Ebro back at the club if they would accept them or not. But I'm, I'm actually really curious to see what. Uh, um, what happens with that? That'd be an interesting move. But like I said, I think I I think if you went to like Napoli, I could see him playing a lot more minutes than if he went to Juve, for example. That's a good point. Just because, like, even though Milik scored two goals today, um, mm-hmm. which is great for him and his confidence moving forward, like, that Napoli, like, central forward role has been kind of like a rotating door between, like, Mertens, Milik, other people have come in. Mm. Um, some, I think he would get more minutes there. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm actually really curious where, like, I think he would do well at any of those top four teams, honestly. Yeah. Imagine, imagine, imagine him doing a partnership with Zapata at Atalanta. Just like the two of them, just like units. It'd just be like an absolute bully session. Yeah. Just center backs getting their toes stepped on. Just ah. Oh, just imagine like you're like, oh, I have to cover Zapata. It's like, oh, your center central back partner has got to cover uh, Ibrahimovic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like who gets well, who? Who gets who? But actually, that's a good uh, who. We're we're moving on here to who's top scorer this season. Who do you think? As we just watch uh, J- Julian Brent hit his uh, second goal for Borussia Dortmund. Ah, what an what an absolute talent! Uh, he was supposed to go to Juve. I know. I was a really big like fan of his, and I really wanted Juventus to sign him because I think he had like a buyout clause of like under twenty million or some or his like rumor price was like sub twenty million. I was like, yes, get this kid to Juventus for 20 mil or something along those lines but he's an absolute talent I, I would love him at Juventus but maybe maybe another summer but yeah back to uh top top score you said right oh yeah top Serie score who do you think so right now if you look at the top scorers what do you got right now so you have Immobile at nine you have Zapata at six right. and then at five apiece you have Bellotti, Berardi and uh Muriel Okay, so, so the the main question remarks: Can Immobile, for example, keep mm-hmm. it up for the entire campaign at this scoring rate? Because mm-hmm. he's been doing great. He's been pretty consistent. I I think I'd say that he's been the most consistent scorer so far this year. Mm-hmm. So I think if you kind of look at his numbers, I think if he can kind of keep him consistent and keep kind of doing what he's been doing so far, I think he could definitely have a shout. Um, I'm still going with my my odds on favor from from the beginning of the season. I, I said Zapata was going to win the was going to win the scoring title this year, yeah. so I'm still sticking with big man Duvon. So I think that's going to be the scoring leader this year. I think you'll have uh, a a mixture of Belotti, Immobile, and Ronaldo somewhere in that like 
outside of that in, in the like the two through four spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't see Ronaldo bagging close to 30 goals this year, especially later in the season once Juventus are going to have to do a little bit more rotation. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's almost 35. He's going to need to not play some minutes. He's not going to give you 38 games a year. That's not happening. Yeah. Um, so I think Ronaldo is going to finish in those like low 20s, mid 20s at the end of the campaign. Uh, Immobile, I could definitely see kind of sneaking up and getting that uh, scoring title, but my, my odds on favorite still, and I will still say this will be Dubon at the end of the season. Okay. Here's why you're wrong. Oh. <laughs> just so blunt here's why you're wrong uh and roma fans cover your ears all right what do you got immobile is going to take this scoring title and the reason immobile is going to take the scoring title is because if you look at the assist column luis alberto is having himself an absolute season right he's got five assists already on the season okay he's, uh, to me he's he's killing it him he and immobile uh, who, by the way, Immobile is also third in the assist column here. Uh, or I, I'm sorry, I'll correct myself here. He's got three assists on the season is what I meant to say for it. He's, he's real close. Um, he, and, uh, he and Luis just absolutely linking up, causing mayhem. In they, have a, they have a connection. They, they, have have an abs- they have that connection that good players have. And uh, so the reason you're wrong about... <laughs> Just flat out wrong. Just flat out wrong right. about Zapata is because the man making his assist are Papu and Papu. Yeah. So what do you got against Papu? I don't have anything against Papu. I think Papu's a great player, but Papu is also getting a little older. All right. And uh, Mr. Alejandro is having a hard time. All right. Is I he think having a hard time. The, te- I, the team's what in second place right now? Third place? They're do- don't get me wrong. They're doing bits at the moment, but I visibly have seen him slowing down, and I think that further we get into the season we have another couple episodes and we're going to be talking about what's up with papu is he doing okay so that's why i think you're wrong on but but at the same time you look at duvan and the man is an absolute unit and he doesn't really game takes 11 players game does take 11 players but at, at the same time he can body out anybody and he can turn those half and quarter chances into more opportunities because he can just out muscle everybody Nah, I don't. I just don't see it. Mm. I just don't see him doing it. Right. I just don't see him. All right. Um, we'll see. We'll see in a couple of weeks, and then in, in, a, in a future episode where where Duvon's the leading in the uh, the goals category, and, I, and I'm going to be saying a big fat. I told you so. Verbal confirmation. Verbal confirmation. Verbal confirmation. If Immobile wins the Serie A title mm-hmm. of score, uh, you will buy me lunch. If Zapata wins it, I will buy you lunch. Yeah. We made a similar bet uh, last year <laughs> for Dele. For Delict coming to Juve or not, and I said that Delict would come to Juve. Yeah, and I got lunch out of that. So, so you know, you could ride your luck, or I might break even on lunch. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride my luck. I think uh, my last prediction came true with our uh, little lunch bet. So I feel like this is gonna be another free lunch for me. All right. Well, let's look at (laughs) let's let's try to make this prediction real quick. And I'd be actually interested to see if anybody who gets a chance to listen to this podcast has an opinion on this. Mm -hmm. Is Christian Erickson? Yes. Uh, transfer market on instagram great page i don't know if anybody's gotten a chance to follow it but definitely do so uh they have narrowed down his most likely destinations to to, yep to juve real manu and bayern right munich (laughs) to be specific he's not going to bayern leverkusen so well you you have to enunciate the end because it's buyer or bayern Mm, got it you messed that up there we go you messed that up so what do you think 
Okay, so let's kind of take this with one team at a time and see where he kind of fits in at each club. So Christian Eriksen to Juventus would be an interesting move because I could see Eriksen, he, he's, he's a number 10 essentially, that's what he is. He's mm-hmm. going to be playing kind of behind a striker, trying to slot balls in, through balls and those kind of things. But he could also play out on the left pretty effectively. He could, as more like a box-to-box kind of midfielder. So if he fits in at Juve, Sarri's kind of known for playing that 4-3-3. Obviously this year over the last few weeks, he's kind of switched over and played that 4-3-1-2, which I think has been very successful. And I think we should, that's what we should be playing moving forward. Um, if that happens, then this is the way I would see Juve lining up with Eriksen in the squad. You'd have Ronaldo and Dybala as like your secondary striker up top. And then you have Eriksen playing right behind him. Think about that. Think about that. I think you'd... I think at Juve, they would do... I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't think they need him at Juve. No. He's an absolute I, I don't baller. think they need him at, at all. He's an absolute but, baller. But, like, what is he... And, you know, he's been doing he's been doing it for, like, his whole career. He's an excellent player. But when you really look at it, I mean, the guy is... Uh, ooh, it's a dirty tackle. Sorry, still watching this game. Uh, he's been doing it his whole career. But um, even doing it his whole career doesn't matter because Paulo, I think, is more talented than him, and I'll say that pretty blatantly, right? I uh, and it's true, but but if you get Ericsson, then you could push Paulo further up the pitch and get him into more, but close, closer to goal and getting scoring more goals. Yeah, but I don't think that's where his strength is. I think his strength is is linking up, and because Paulo is like kind of when he's first came onto the scene everybody was like wow look at this argentinian kid he's an absolute beast he's out here taking people on but when you really look at his game and how he's developed he's not that guy to try to break into space he's that guy that's going to try to get the ball to feet and make something happen that's true so but he has a cannon of a left foot and, he does. and he's had 30 plus goal campaigns for juventus before he does but i just don't see juve going for him and and uh i'm sorry i should say i don't see juve going for christian erickson uh, because if you're going to do that, you're actually going to directly jeopardize having Paulo uh, be successful, at least in my opinion, for it. Because pushing him further up the pitch doesn't necessarily mean he's going to push out more results. He wants to be involved and he wants to be on the ball. How many times in a game do you see him right. drop he, into he, the He drops and back just... and he gets the ball because he likes the ball at his feet. Right, 100%. 100%. Yeah. But like I said, he also has a great foot. He, he can finish the ball. And I think putting it, pushing him further up the pitch would allow him to score more goals and get more kind of influential in, in terms of the game in, in that aspect, in terms of scoring. Like, you think about Eriksen playing a ball off to Dybala, who plays off a ball to Ronaldo. Like, that like that little, like, trident up top would be absolutely deadly. And then you can kind of pick and choose whoever you want in the midfield, whether it's Ramsey and, and Pjanic and Metuidi. Like, at, at that point, you're just... You you have so many options of that team, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, agree to disagree on that one. I just don't think he would... I think where he would find more of a home is real madrid okay and here is why what do you got why despite real madrid not playing with a traditional 10 they do not christian erickson is no stranger to playing on the outside all right okay but who would you take out of that lineup then for him so you have you have casemiro who's you have to play because he's basically he's the whole thing he's the he's the only defensive midfield that you have in that team then you have the Ballon d'Or winner, the current still holder, Luka Modric. Right. So you're not going to really take him out. I mean, it's it's still up in the air whether he resigns because I believe he's a free agent at the end of the year. So that's still up in the air. But if if Luka still stays, so you're gonna you're gonna play him. So what you're saying that he, it's going to be a midfield three with Casemiro, Luka, and 
Erickson, is that is that what you're thinking at that point? No, I would say something more along the lines of Casemiro, Cruz, and Erickson. Okay. I think Luka Mordic needs a. Uh, I think he needs a break. I think he's. So you think that Real aren't going to resign him? I don't think they're going to. Re- I don't think they have any incentive to resign him. He's getting up there in age. He's 34. He's got a lot of miles on his legs. Yeah. I would likely, personally here, and this is another bold prediction. Uh, I would likely see Luka Mordic signing on a free to a successful Serie A club where he could be brilliant and technical and enjoy the game than going anywhere else. Um, you know, I could see him striving and, and thriving in the Serie A in the same way that I can see Christian Eriksen taking one of his spots for it. So, that's true. Uh, yeah, so I, that's, my, that's my view is I think Real could use uh, Christian Eriksen more so than, uh, than Juve can. Uh, because they're in more need of a, of a of a midfielder that will move. You know, the only criticism I have of Erickson and where I think he might have a hard time is uh, I don't particularly find uh, Erickson to be a big game player. Okay. He always seems to go missing, and that's been a really big accusation against him by Spurs fans in the past. Right. And uh, he just seems to fade out of games for it. But if he has a midfield that's willing, willing to do the dirty work for him and get him the ball... He's going to thrive in that mid. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with you on that. But back to your little like uh, little Luca comment. Imagine him like just sitting in front of a defense in Syria and just playing that Andrea Pirlo role and just popping balls over the top. He would do a lot of he would be in Syria. I hope he signs for a big club in Syria. I hope he signs for Roma. I would love to have him at Roma. If he signs at Roma, I will buy you that kit. Done. I'll say that right now. Done. Uh, I can't say the same for Juve because that seems to be a popular destination for players over the age of 30. So yeah, I can't, especially on a free transfer. On a free transfer, it's like trademark at this point. It's like Juve MO. Uh, so two left, Manchester United. Okay, so why would he go why, there? Why would he go there? <laughs> Money. Money would be literally the Mo- yeah, only reason yeah, to go he, there. He wanted to get paid, and that, that's, the only re- that's, the, that's his major incentive to go into Man U. Unless he wants to be that player that, like, hey, like you guys build around me, and I want to be part of a... But, like a big project, but he's never won trophies at, at Spurs. I feel like he, at this point in his career, entering his prime, like he wants trophies. He wants to be successful. Like he wants to be known as that like world class player. He, he's not gonna get that at Man U doing a real project. And here's the other thing too that like is is to consider. Pa, like Pogs went back, right? Pogs P- went back. Pogs hasn't been. He was like he was like, hey, I'm coming home. Like build a team around me. I'm here for it. Let's do this. And, and it's been one year after the other, which has just been a disaster. And it's just been accusations it's thrown at them. Like exactly, it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. They're fourteenth in the table. If They're- I'm Christian Eriksen, I am so weary of Manchester United mm-hmm. and how they treat their players. Ah, unbelievable. I would never. I wouldn't see him unless they like doubled or tripled his wages. That I, would. Be I feel like move. the big hot destinations moving forward in the EPL are obviously going to be still City if Pep stays because right. it's Pep. He's going to pull it in. You have Klopp and Liverpool, yeah. and I think Chelsea are going to move into that like big destination because they're playing really good football, and they're really focusing on a lot of youth, and all that youth is just going to get better and better. Yeah. I mean, the team's playing really good. Like, I mean, they've won, what, five, six in a row now with, with Lampard at the, at the helm? Like, the yeah, team's kind of pulling a, it together. I agree with that, but that's a catch-22, though, because if you're a player that's looking to move clubs and you see that the manager fancies and loves using... Uh, <laughs> Loves using academy products and players that have been there. Well, they have to use academy products. Well, they the, have to now. The transfer ban. Yeah, but my point is that's that seems to be the uh, what Frank is trusting and what he's doing. Right. So if I'm a player and I'm looking at that, I'm like, 
I'm like, man, I don't want to go there. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to sit on the bench. I don't want to sit. You know. But, so, but look at it this way: if you're if you're getting Christian Eriksen, you're gonna pay him over ten mil a year. He's gonna be the, one of the top earners, if not the top earner at your club. He's not riding the bench. Yeah, at that and point. who's got that money? Real. Back to my point. Do you think Proper Chelsea? Fit. You think Chelsea doesn't have that money? You, I don't think it. they would occupy that money in him. Maybe, but but that leads us to our last team that was definitely has money. <laughs> definitely has money and is and kind of I don't know. It's kind of like in a weird spot in the Bundesliga, and that's Bayern Munich. The Bavarians. The Bavarians. <laughs> Best beer in the world. Ah, they're the best. So Bayern Munich, it's interesting with Christian Eriksen because Bayern just got Coutinho, and Coutinho on is loan. Been, on loan, on loan, it is a loan. But I think it's more. Is it a one-year loan or is it a two-year loan? Do I remember. I don't remember. I remember. Somebody check that out for us if it's, uh, Coutinho has a one or two-year loan. Get back to us later. Um, but you have Coutinho playing that role, and he's playing really well. So. Do Bayern really need somebody to play that role for them right now? Or like you mentioned before, does he kind of get play that more pushed back midfield role and occupy like that box-to-box position? Because you have, who else? You have Tolisso, who obviously is, is, is going to be a big player Tiago. for Bayern. You have Thiago in that midfield as well. I mean, where, where does he fit in exactly? Here's my counter question to you. If I'm the Bayern Munich executives... Right, mm-hmm. I'm the Bayern Munich executives. I have Phil Coutinho on alone. We nailed it. We got him. It was great, right? But I know that Barcelona are going to look to get as much money as they can recoup from how much they paid for him for Liverpool. So you're thinking of using Ericsson essentially as bait to either lower the fee for Coutinho or just get Ericsson. Or just get Ericsson. <laughs> Ericsson's going to be free. It's he, not. He's a, he's a cost-effective option instead of paying the 70 80 whatever the fee is million euro fee for Coutinho you get Ericsson for free and all you got to pay is the salary if I'm looking at financial fair play status I just drop big bucks on Hernandez and on on Pavs yeah right I I got to be considerate of how much money I'm putting aside onto this if I can get Ericsson on a free or for a nominal fee before he's free mm-hmm. I got to take that I, I have to take that before I take Phil That's you know true. and as good and I love Phil Phil's a absolute baller Phil's right? a baller. but you get the opportunity to take christian erickson on a free that basically just saved you 100 plus mil that's very true all you have to pay is salary which is obviously a, a, to a club that size it's just pocket peanuts exactly so speaking about Bayern now and about bundesliga so who do you think wins the bundesliga this year obviously it, it's just a huge like cluster mess of like eight teams within three points of each other or something ridiculous along those lines so who do you have that wins the Bundesliga this year? Because I know I have a favorite that I want. Well, Borussia just won one nil, so okay, they're the only club to keep a clean sheet in all the season of Bundesliga at this point. Yeah, there's so I'm cl- going cl- off that alone. Cl- clean sheets are not a thing that happens in Bundesliga. You get high scoring games and just goals everywhere. Yeah. So, as even though they drew this morning, somebody somebody called the laundry man. Yeah. No even clean they, sheets <laughs> in Germany. Even though they drew this morning against Augsburg. I still think Bayern Munich take the title this year. And there's one man, and you know who it is. There's one man that has been... Completely unbiased. Completely unbiased. Nothing to do with me at all. But there's been one man that's just been plowing through defenses and just scoring goals left and right. I think he's up to 17 now in 12 games so far since the start of the season, if if I remember my stats correctly. And that's Lewandowski. And you have Lewandowski leading the line in this kind of form. Like, yeah, you have a little bit of issues in defense, but... If Bayern can just outscore everybody, kind of like what Borussia Dortmund did a few years ago, they just outscored everybody and just 
just won the title that way. If you can keep doing that as Bayern Munich, knowing that you have Lewandowski in this kind of form, with Coutinho kind of supplying, and, and Serge Gnabry playing really good ball too. He had, he had a goal today as well. I think Bayern Munich can take it. Uh, obviously, you have some uh, question marks at the back. I mean, the, the defense still has to gel together, like you mentioned, with them bringing in Hernandez and Pavard for big money. Um, but I think I think you can just outscore everybody and just kind of win the Bundesliga that way at this point, mm-hmm. especially with Lewandowski hitting 17 and 11. Obviously, that's going to cool off at some point. I mean, unless he just like just completely uh, like throws everybody for a loop and just continues this pace for the whole season, which if, if that's the case, Ballon d'Or, 100%, I want it. But... Um, yeah, I just think Bayern have uh, the talent, and I think they have the offensive capabilities to just really kind of like overpower everybody in the Bundesliga for the rest of the campaign. So just for the record, everyone, Marcin, whose last name is Kazmarski, has no partialness to nope. Robert Lewandowski getting the ball in the No, do you see any Lewandowski photos in my apartment right now? Not yet. That's true, not yet. There was, ah, there was, so, a, there was a signed jersey. So BVB winning the title... Because they came so close to the sun last year, and they fell short. True. If you look at what's happening with Liverpool this year, um, Liverpool took falling short last season as energy to kick on and do well this season. I think the same could be said about Dortmund this season. Mm -hmm. The only difference is that it just happens to be a really close race at this point. Bundesliga definitely looking the most competitive out of all the leagues at the point, at this point, at this juncture. Uh, I think that they're going to pull ahead from the rest of the pack sooner rather than later. Uh, and, you know, you have Marco Ruiz. Marco Ruiz, uh, for me, is an absolute staple of a loyal player. Also, and, you look like him. And I look like him a little bit. A, a little bit. I get told every once in a while. But, All the time. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, if only I could make, like, over 300 k a week. That would be really nice. That would be ideal. <laughs> I don't know if that's what he's on, but... <laughs> Uh, he must be close. Uh, but anyways, he's he's their captain. He's their leader. When you have somebody who's your leader that wants the club to win, like he will, he would break his own leg again just so he could have that like that trophy just one more time. And I think when you have somebody like that leading the line and coming so close last season, he's just going to use that energy and he's going to get his teammates to kick on a little bit. Uh, so that's that's why I back them uh, to win it. So you're backing BVB because of Royce and his. Uh his want for that title again and his just love for the pure love for the club and it's and it's not just that to be fair i, I mean the team's talented you have you have great players ever you have you have yeah. hazard you have julian bryant you have witzel like the, the team's got like anywhere you look the team's got solid players yeah and uh it's just to see again if that defense can hold it down matt's hummels is obviously a little older some would say i said during the game he looked a little past it today on that one no win he got lucky a couple times he did and uh, so it just depends on him and Akanji holding it down and, and keeping the also game de- steady. It depends on, on injuries to the club. So yeah. if, if injury hits, if the injury bug hits the team and Marco Royce misses extended time or, or Jaden Sancho misses extended time or, or like you said, Matt Hummels misses extended time, those are key players of that squad, then, then you run into some issues. I think it's all a matter of who can still stay healthiest the longest during the course of a season. Very true. And uh, we only have a couple of talking points left here, but one of them... Uh, kind of correlates to uh, Bayern Munich. And uh, that is, I've noticed, along with coaches catching a lot of flack, is actually that players that don't suit systems that they're pulled into. So a lot of times in football now, you'll find that uh, players are being signed for clubs where the coach doesn't 
uh, really have any say in it, or maybe they might not have given the green light to the signing. Right, more like a star signing or like a news signing, just to bring it marketing or however right. we want to spin it. Right, so the executives look, they say this guy has a really great marketing uh, background for it. You know, he looks like we could really make some money off some jersey sales, a couple other items. And, and, he, uh, and he may fit in well somehow in this team later on. Right. We'll like, or our, coach, our coach will figure this out for yeah, it. That's his job. So I feel like several players are falling victim to that. And what I mean by that is there are players, if you look at Coutinho and you look at Hannes, are two examples for me, where they're genuine tens, right? You could play them out on the left. You could play them on either of the wings. But they're genuine tens. They are not meant to drop back. They are not meant to... Uh, do anything besides create opportunities and bad goals themselves. Right. And uh, you see them for their marketing value or for whatever other reason getting brought into teams where they are not geared to succeed at those teams because the team does not play in that system and the team would not change the system for that player. Right. Right. So that's where I think, you know, you're seeing a lot where Coutinho now is absolutely killing it for Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. He's bagging. Because he's playing in, a, in the position that he should be playing. Exactly. When he was at Barcelona, he was pushed out wide and just, hey, that's, he, he, that's, he, he was basically forced to because you had Lionel Messi, you had Suarez playing up the middle. So, so he wasn't going to, you can't slot three players up the middle. It, can't, it doesn't work that way. And then, but you remember him at Liverpool, he was tearing it up because he played in that most familiar role that he really wanted to. He played as a 10. And that's where he was successful. And that's kind of what you're seeing now is Coutinho playing in that role that he really enjoyed playing at previous in his career. And he's good at it. And that's where he's yeah. playing. So I think to exactly what your point, you're 100% correct. Bayern gr- grabbed him, and, but they knew that, hey, we're going to get him, but we're going to play him as a 10. We're going to play him in his proper position. And you're seeing the results of that. He's playing great ball so far. Yeah, absolutely. And so that actually brings us to one of the last talking points here is uh, Griezmann. This, uh, this most recent game for Barcelona, Griezmann, Messi, Suarez, all score in the same game for the first time. Is this front three sustainable, or are Barca going to fall short because of lack of chemistry? See, that's a, that's a tough topic, because if you just look at it strictly just from the players and their positions, how they play, I, I can't say that it's sustainable. It's definitely the most... Um, attractive or like the ones that the fans definitely want to be seeing like you want to see Griezmann, Messi and Suarez play together but they're all very attack minded very like forward focused players and I mean even though you're playing as a forward you still need to have some kind of defensive responsibilities in your team like you work as a cohesive unit so where's that defensive unit where's that cohesion going to be coming from does I mean does it make sense I mean Next year, you're, you're probably not going to see Suarez at Barcelona. I mean, he's, what, getting up there into his uh, close to mid-30s now, 32, 33. Do, does it make sense to push more Messi into that central role and then get somebody like Dembele into one of those spots? I mean, you have a lot of questions. I, I personally don't think it's sustainable for a long, long-term long season. Maybe against, like, these smaller teams, this, this lineup can work just because you have so much more talent than smaller clubs in La Liga. But I don't think in the Champions League big teams and teams that have quality players that are going to be like, hey, they they don't have any cohesion up front. They don't have any kind of defensive responsibility. It's just free possession that they're just going to give us. That's why I think you've seen Barca kind of uh, not struggle entirely, but I think they haven't played their best ball yet. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think I would make the argument where um, as much as I would love to see them all succeed together because I think Barcelona is a wonderful club um, that lost 
to us at the Stadio Olimpico, but that's not important. Not important. Not important. Not just important. Uh, just a reference, key reference. Um, uh, however, that said, uh, again, it's a player that got brought in. Griezmann wanted Barcelona. Barcelona wanted Griezmann. But you bring him in, and you put him out wide. But did you read the report? That was actually really curious that a lot of players in the Barcelona locker room didn't want Griezmann to go to the club in the first place. Well, I would imagine. That's been a lot of like talk of like, oh, like Messi wasn't really thrilled with the Griezmann signing and a lot of players in that locker room not really wanting Griezmann well, in there. because a lot of players in that locker room, at least from what I've read, a lot of players in that locker room are under the impression that Barcelona were either going to sign Griezmann or they were going to sign Neymar. Right, and they wanted Neymar back. Right, and so a lot of them had already had a relationship with Neymar. He fit really well into the environment in that camp. Um, however, PSG were not looking to get rid of him for any lower than basically what they paid for, and Griezmann was available for roughly half the price at that point. So, you know, unsurprising that they weren't all thrilled for it, but he seems to be settling in pretty well into the club, first of all. Uh, secondly, though, you know, when it was just him up top, he was doing well. Uh, when it was him and Dembele or him and Suarez, he was doing well. But I think when you get Suarez and you get Messi at the same time, Messi's play style, I, I think Griezmann emulates a lot of it where he tries to drop in, get the ball to feet, and he does a lot of the same. So my argument that I was making with, well, if you bring Christian Eriksen in, he's a very similar player to Paulo Dybala, was the same argument right now that I'm making where they brought in Griezmann, but Griezmann's play style is similar to that of Messi and uh, a couple other players on the team. So they all seem to be trying to do the same thing, and that's where I think they're falling short. Right. So I, I don't think it's sustainable either. I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to see a lot of games where... That's all right. Marson's just watching the uh, Juventus game as well I was here. just getting it on the TV. I'm not watching <laughs> it. We're still doing this. Uh, so... Uh, we're just trying to get all this in on a football on a football Saturday. Yeah, but I you know that's my that's my take. Is I agree. I don't think it's it's feasible for them. The only thing that I don't agree with that you had said though is you were saying oh it's because of lack of the def- like defensive cohesion. Like there's there's nobody dropping back when you had Neymar and you had Messi and you had Suarez up top. None of them were really focused on dropping back. You basically had an idea where you know the other eight guys on the field were looking to do the defensive work so these brilliant players can go forward and score goals. My argument, though, is that because Griezmann doesn't like to play on the outside anymore and he's more of a centralized player at this at this juncture in his career, I don't think it's going to work out for him in that capacity. So I think you're going to see a lot of him and Suarez being cycled amongst each other. Um, Suarez is having himself a little pop of form, so I don't think he's going to be benched anytime soon. But I'm just saying, if all three of them start, don't be surprised by 50 minutes to see either Suarez or Griezmann getting the hook from the bench. That's true. Like, like, because like you said, there there has to be some kind of cohesion, especially if they're up a couple goals to nil. You're gonna want to defend that lead. You're not gonna want to pile on and get six, seven goals. Like that's not that's not how you play, really, in, in most teams' cases. So, I think you're uh, 100% spot on. All right. So as our as our uh, podcast coach over here over yeah here. podcast coach that's my uh and i'm on instagram coach kuji that's uh oh, coach sh- k-u-j-i shameless sh- shameless plug over shameless here. self-promotion feel free to follow my page uh but by the way guys if you want to follow either of us on twitter as well we always like to uh chat about any kind of football related stuff or if you guys have any ideas for podcasts moving forward uh you can find what's your handle on twitter 
Uh, Footy Kuji. Footy Kuji is uh, my co-host, and mine is PL Juventino. Um, so you can uh, obviously we can uh, we'll take DMs or any kind of questions you guys have any point, and uh, we just like to talk footy with anybody really. So that's the whole point of the podcast. And soon we might have some special guests. Yeah, maybe. Ideally. Maybe. Ideally. We're we, working we, on it. We have some plans. Very low budget. Very low budget. <laughs> like you have to drive here and then we don't provide anything. We do not provide. We can provide some food. There's a couple fast food places around. Maybe, maybe some snacks. Like that. Maybe, maybe some, some snacks. snacks. But that's all we got. Uh, but that's about it. Yeah. But thanks as always for, uh, for checking in and stopping by. And uh, we hope you enjoy it. Review the cast and uh, talk to you soon. We'll see you on the next episode. Later, guys.